Hello, my name's Fleur Emery. Welcome to the award-winning Real Work podcast. Real Work is my online membership that democratizes business learning for women. We create content and community that will improve your confidence, knowledge and network by around 50% in as little as three months. And we know that because we've been measuring the data. The Real Work podcast brings you loose and lively conversations, very lively at times, <laughs> with women who have taken the women's work rule book and ripped it up and sometimes even used it for hamster bedding. We're here to show you what's possible for you in your own career. So have a good listen and enjoy. Now, let's find out who's coming up on today's episode. This week, our guests are Rene and Anshu, co-founders of sustainable takeaway service Dabadrop, the business that is cleaning up the takeaway industry with their delicious Mumbai-style plant-based curries. Their business really took off during lockdown. That is an understatement. Let's rewind that bit. Their business, listen for emphasis, really took off during lockdown. And in this podcast, they share how that happened and how they kept up, how they surfed on a wave of success. It's a delight to hear them. They're friends, neighbours, as well as co-founders. So have a listen and be uplifted by Anshu and Rene's brilliant business partnership and friendship. And then go to the website and find out if you are in the Dabadrop catchment area. Rene and Anshu, welcome to the show. This is the Real Work Podcast. And here we sort of unpack women's stories about how they got to do the thing that they love. And you came from... One from film and one from events, is that right? One I did, yep. I, I was um, um, in the events industry, an events producer, before I worked at Dabadrop. Um, I also worked in uh, the hospitality sector um, at Caravan Restaurants and at Soho House, pre-having children. So this is sort of pre-2013 now. Um, and I worked in TV, so I made programs mainly for Channel 4, um, the likes of First States and One Born Every Minute. So completely different to what I'm doing now, but um, always loved food, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and knew, knew that was my calling. So I wanted to create something for myself as well. Just had that sort of burning desire to uh, set up on my own. So post-children, Renee and I used to live um, across the road from each other. We kind of met and over coffee, which led to wine, to lots of food, we discussed starting a business together. Um, so yeah, a friendship that led to a business partnership. So here we are. Thank you. When, as podcast hosts, Buckers and I, we can all see each other on camera, we're not supposed to um, show preference, are we? But um, when, when, when you were describing, when um, actually you were describing, you worked on first dates. Barker's eyebrows nearly shot off the top of her head with excitement, didn't they? We love first dates. I love that show. That's a so really, much. really fun show. Can you get me on you there? Really Anshu? do, don't you? <laughs> can I get you on? Probably, yeah. If you want, I can put in a good word. I still know the producers. Oh, you'll be on the celebrity one, won't you? Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, Although, well, on the celebrity one, you might get years, matched up with when someone. When the Real Work podcast <laughs> wins another award. <laughs> wins another award. Hopefully, we'll get another one this year. Who yeah. would you like to be matched up with as a, on the celebrity one? Who do you think would make a good match for Buckers? Ooh. Ooh. 
Mm, Harry what's Styles? your type? Well, this is what are your likes and your dislikes? I mean, that's kind of where we where we start. Oh yeah, I like Harry. Yeah, I like Harry Styles. Likes and dislikes. I don't like um, rucksacks. <laughs> or it's um, very specific. When oh, they don't like spice. When they can't. When they can't handle spicy food. Yeah, we don't like those either. And when they. Um, yeah, and when they don't laugh at my jokes. <laughs> Everything else, I'm pretty open-minded. Yeah, I just don't think there's any place for that. Well, we'll definitely have to put you on the list. Brilliant, thank you. I will, uh, I'll be in touch. I think any, any um, primetime energetic TV presenter. Yeah, like Stephen Mulhern <laughs> is my dream man. So I even have... He, I love, I love him so much. I have him on a mouse mat. Oh my god! Wow. So if <laughs> that's if, true love. If he's ever interested in celebrity first dates, I could be, I could be the non-celeb because they on the celeb version they put non-celebs. They do with yeah. celebs, don't they? So I could be the non-celeb when Stephen Mulhern <laughs> is looking for. Him. And Sue set it up. Yep, I will <laughs> make it happen. Great. Well, that's great. Let's make it happen. Having said that. <laughs> Having said that, working at so so her house events pre kids that sounds like a lot of fun. It was a great time, and um, I got to travel the world with them. We, um, I did all the sort of um, events that happened outside of the houses themselves. So whenever we opened up in a new city, like Toronto, for example, we'd have a series of events and parties that I would organise before the house opened there. So, um, yeah, I went to Miami to do Art Basel parties and I went to Toronto and I went um, to California and, yeah, lots of different cool places. And then I had babies and life was very different after that. Well, yeah, and life is very different now. And life is very different now, but in a good way. And your eyes met across the road and you started chatting. How soon after that did you start hatching plans? We have kids who are the same age, so they went to the same nursery and, you know, the rest of it. And so um, I think we met after our second kids were born. So it was like 2016 when we first started talking and we launched the business in 2018. So it was about two years. We were kind of, you know, um, discussing various thoughts and plans and ideas um and then I just I mean you know actually we bonded over takeaways because we both love getting a takeaway we were stuck at home um most Friday nights you know uh with our little ones so we would celebrate the end of the week with the takeaway so um we were you know conversations around how unsustainable the takeaway industry is and undelicious really as well it would always make us feel you know full and greasy and you know like unhealthy so yeah yeah even you're in east london right because east london we are pretty high quality i mean you need to get out in the suburbs you know really get out in the regions and i think you'll find that there's some takeaways get worse and worse as you go out so if you were considering that they weren't good enough quality then there's no hope for our regional ones I think that things have come a long way since, you know, since the pandemic as well. Obviously, there's so much more competition around now. And yeah, you're right. There are the quality of the, you know, what you can get on Deliveroo or whatever has gone up a lot because lots of um, independent independent restaurants are now on those platforms. Um, But in 2018, it wasn't great, was it? And especially for vegetarian and vegan options, we found there wasn't much to choose from. And they'd always, you know, arrive in a puff of smoke on the back of a motorbike. Um, and there'd obviously be the pile-up of plastic, you know, Tupperware, um, not Tupperware, you know, disposable containers, um, which made us feel guilty. So, 
yeah, that's where the idea evolved. Was there one takeaway which was like the um, the straw that broke the camel's back? Well, it's often Indian, I think. Yeah. Because, you know, when you order an Indian, you have, you know, you, you have a curry and then you have a side and then you have the rice and they're all in different containers, I think. And they um, just pile up and then the guilt comes along the next day when you see it and you're washing up and, and the next a, morning. Yeah, there's only so many times you can reuse those plastic containers. I've got some in my in the in the Tupperware door downstairs, but you you know they they break and they're flimsy, so you have to throw them away at some point, which is yeah awful. Yeah. And I wonder if sometimes we throw them away because we order too much food, we get really full, we feel guilty, greasy, and confused, and we want to hide the evidence from ourselves this morning. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it's someone else's problem. Yeah, I wonder how many times it goes in a bin bag that's tied up because of the smell and goes out in the bin before the next morning and is not recycled even. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure. all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is, you know, um, I grew up in Mumbai, which is where the Dabawala system comes from, which is essentially, you know, Dabas are tiered lunchboxes, essentially, where um, when the man would go out to work, the wife who was who stayed at home would prepare lovingly this delicious, mainly vegetarian meal. And then the Dabawala, Dabba means box in Hindi, you know, come to collect the box and deliver it, hand deliver it to the man waiting patiently at his desk. So it's a system that's been ongoing for hundreds of years in Mumbai. Um, and, you know, there have been sort of modernizations in that, you know, we there's a sort of a dark kitchen concept, you know, it doesn't, it's not called a dark kitchen and they don't use technology, of course. But, you know, you, if you're, um, if you're an independent woman who's sort of working late nights, etc., which I was doing when I lived out in India, I'd get a dabba delivered to my home so that when I got home from work, I could eat it. It was just left on my doorstep. And then, you know, the next day uh, we'd do a swap and a fresh one would be left on my doorstep. So the idea of this, of reusing, um, you know, a delivery uh, container over and over again was, you know, was inspired by the dabba wallahs of Mumbai. And it it really, you know, in 2018, um, we so just... So you, you did a trial, didn't you, from your kitchen, uh, which right, was yeah. across the road from my kitchen. <laughs> and um, some of the neighbours sort of signed up to do the trial. There was about 20 of us, I think. And you delivered the food <laughs> in the tiffin. And it was, you know, A, it was absolutely delicious, of mm -hmm. course. But it was just something about the theatre of opening all these different tins and laying it out on the table. There was a bit of a ceremony to it. Whereas, you know, if it comes in a plastic container, you just sort of sit at the kitchen. Well, I don't know about you, but I sort of just eat it as soon as I open it at the kitchen bench. I don't even often put it on a plate, to be honest, you know. So, And as you flick the lid off, the plastic lid always kind of bends back yeah. and then sprays yeah. some of the sauce over the counter <laughs> exactly it makes such it's a not, mess doesn't really it all the same <laughs> styrofoam dishes with the sauce and you like mint sauce yeah. yeah so this felt like it had a bit more of a ceremony to it and um i really loved that so that's when yeah we decided to jump in together god you're lucky you you just you hit the jackpot with your neighbor yes, i know I right did. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh that's so nice that was a simultaneous <laughs> Chris's screenshot that with a love heart between you. That's so good. Oh. <laughs> it's not always this harmonious. Yeah. I mean, you know, going from being friends to being business owners, that was quite a learning curve for us in the early days, first year especially. You know, we were used to kind of being all casual and, you know. You know, after a few drinks, a bit merry, obviously, as yeah. well. 
Yeah. So it was quite, yeah, a different We had way to be disciplined to... and, you know, have those hard conversations, ask those difficult questions about who's doing what and who's responsible, who's responsible for what, you know, accountability, like proper grown-ups. <laughs> and also just sort of learning each other's work ethic and, you know, yeah. understanding how I've never worked with you before, you'd never worked with me, so we didn't know that one of us was going to be sort of slacking off and the other one was going to be all guns blazing. So, yeah, it's it's worked out really well. Yeah. How did the work get split off? Um, I think, you know, inherently, Renee and I have different interests. Um, So Renee has an sort of impeccable eye for style and detail. So, you know, she curates. As you can tell by this delightful (laughs) room that I'm sitting in, which is. (laughs) Um, So, and I don't have that at all. So I look at something and I'll be like, oh, God, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, you know, like I, I can't tell whether it's good or bad stylistically. You know, I'm much more interested in content. So, yeah. And Anshu has a, you know, you can look at the big picture and you see what where we're going and you're the direction, I would say, the force of the business. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess using those sort of inherent um, sort of loves or, you know, passions or desires that we use that to kind of divide how we, um, what needs to be done. We still do that. So we don't really at the moment have and even though we should we don't have specific roles that define us so we you know it's not coo and ceo or whatever we just we have a list of responsibilities so if somebody wants to talk about i don't know pay rise or you know some kind of issue with their pay slip they come to me whereas they to want to talk about you know garnishes or yeah, exactly <laughs> How something looks or a, yeah, the a design flyer. of a flyer or something, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're still very much both over a lot and we do need to learn how to separate that out a bit more. But at the same time, it's one of the reasons that we went into business together. I think we're both juggling children. So we probably, you know, we're, we're working around the children. So if the children need to go and be picked up, the other one can stay back in the office and do the meeting or whatever yeah. and the other will pick up the other's children, you know what I mean. So it's definitely a, a balance, a juggle and a balance. <laughs> Going back to the double wallers of Mumbai, was that just for um, rich people? Is this was it a luxury? No, it's a, it's very much a sort of um, working middle class, lower middle class thing. It's not a luxury at all because the the upper classes would just, um, I mean, go to a restaurant. They would never eat. They would never eat at their desks. So this was very much, you know. And it's it wasn't it was an inexpensive way of getting home cooked food. Um, it wasn't a way of, you know, it's not, it wasn't a luxury. It's absolutely, it was, you know, like everyone got it. Um, uh, and it was very affordable. It was, so you paid, you know, it was the cost of a, uh, a train ride. So, cause the double wallers delivered by train. And so they formed, um, sort of like a chain cause Mumbai, even though it's not as it's not a very big city, the residential areas are quite far away from the the main centre. So um, most people live on the outskirts and they would, um, so a, a one double waller would collect it from their homes and pass it on to another double waller they met at a train station and the third one would pass it on to the one they met at the, the middle of the city and then another one would do the final drop. So It's just um, amazing. Yeah. They didn't get lost. I know. <laughs> it really is. I, I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. So, um, with Dabadrop, you are upgrading the takeaways and making um, making that whole process of um, having food delivered to your home more sustainable. There's quite a few things you've changed as well as the packaging. For example, the menu choice and things like that. Can you tell us about the other things that you have made better? 
I mean, one of the things that differentiates us between other, you know, competitors, I guess, like Deliveroo and Uber Eats is that we keep all of our own data. You know, we're not sharing anyone's data. We have our own um, cyclists. So we have our own fleet of cyclists. So we are very much involved in all of the logistics and the route planning. Um, obviously, we use other companies like Pedal Me and Zetify to help us with that um, as we're growing. Um, and obviously, you know, unlike our competitors, we also have a set menu that we, we we just sort of roll on week after week. So we have a bank of eight menus. Um, and, you know, that idea came from personal experience, you know, just after we're all so busy now, aren't we? And like making decisions after a hard day at work is the last thing anyone wants. I mean, you know, speaking for myself, I don't know about you, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I hate making decisions about what I want to eat because I, I, I can't, I've got paralysis, you know, I want to eat everything, I want everything and then I just feel full and sick and guilty. So taking that decision away means that, you know, you get to try new things, you're surprised, You um, are, some of our customers have said it's sort of like secret Santa, you know, you don't know what you're going to get and you open your present and you're like, you're pleasantly surprised. So Also, I think a lot of our customers have said that they like the idea of, you know, everyone is eating the same, everyone who orders a Dabba Drop is eating the same food, you know, communal. most probably at the same time. So it's a, yeah, it's a communal table. So it's a membership model and everyone gets a meal once a week on the same day and is eating the same thing. Yeah, that's right. And also um, because it's a sort of a pre-order system, you know, it's a subscription we always know how many people we're cooking for every week which means that we don't have um, food waste like you know other restaurants or takeaway um you know the local curry house or whatever because obviously if there's just an on-demand you know people are ordering on demand they just never really know how busy they're going to be so they have to guesstimate and often there's you know loads of food waste so i love the way that by starting small and being brave with decisions about um how you do things you have overcome some barriers that people believe are insurmountable for example um saying oh people need more choice um people will all want to eat at different times they they want newness they always want something that's um new so rotating menus you know they they always want the new new thing fashion they think it's it's so nice that you had the courage to just say, okay, we can give you sustainability, higher quality food, surprise and delight, if you give us the stability of um, a membership model, um, as a minimum period of sign up, and you accept our food on a certain day. It's a real give and take, isn't it? There's something really nice about that. And people yeah. have risen to the challenge because what you've delivered is good enough. It wasn't easy in the early days to get people to change their behavior because, you know, the on-demand culture, we were, we're all guilty of it. Yeah, that's what I mean. You're against that, aren't you? And people say you can't, you know, we're all so used to swipe right, swipe right. You know, you can't go back to yeah. something that's slower. You slowed everyone down a little bit, which I like. And that is, you know, part of our ethos, I think. We're all into sustainable living. We want to slow people down a little bit, you know, I think. It's important for yeah. our well-being, for our mental health and you it's know. the only way that you know the, the environment is going to have the time to to regenerate i think a slower way of living it feels more community-minded as well because there's less um there's less strangers and pieces of technology in between you and the food yes a similar absolutely thing. i've got um where i live um, a friend of mine's husband cooks sourdough really nice he's um french we've got a whatsapp group the french boulangerie and he bakes on a saturday and just says hands up who wants one and then cycles it round and then you kind of trade whatever you've made so i make 
liked pretty decent almond milk. So I'd give them a bottom of a bottle of almond milk. Oh, that's brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah, old school bartering system, isn't yeah, it? And it's just, yes, yeah, it's, sw- it's just a swap. And it, and it feels great. And it's for me, it's great because it's bread that's made in his kitchen with no additive, you know, because yeah. bread is one yes. of those things. There's a lot of stuff that goes into shop bought bread these days. And um, so bread made like that, you know, I feel good. And we have, so it arrives at 7 p.m. on a Saturday. So me and my kid... Um, have a bread party in bed. We eat bread, bread, <laughs> bread in bed at seven thirty. Oh, bread in bed. Yeah, it's really nice. So there's a, there's a nice. That what a treat. <laughs> yeah, what the mice also love it. They um yeah yeah. <laughs> a few little new sign visitors no around our house bed. at the moment. No, but there's a few that um pick up the crumbs under the bed. Unfortunately, this winter. But well, I think in the spring that they well, they are going to leave their own accord. I did ask them to, so I think they were obliged. But um, it shows how it shows how when people's behaviour changes, there's an element of sort of ritual around it as well. You know, just as you described the the complex ritual of the the dabba human chain in Mumbai, getting people to eat like this on a certain day, that's the day that came. There's something that feels really special about that. Yeah, Fridays, I mean, we've heard from customers that, you know, we actually have heard people talking about Dabba Day as on our way to work because we sort of walked down oh. the main streets, oh, oh, you know, like, oh, it's Dabba night tonight. So, you know, make sure you get home early or I'll get a bottle of wine. <laughs> Especially is- around where Anshu used to live, where I live, you know, where it all started, there's quite a... Uh, there's, yeah, there's quite a few people who order it around here, you know, because they're friends or neighbours or whatever. Um so yeah <laughs> that must have been so fun yeah I mean it's you know we're just sort of like inside you know feeling very sort of you know it's quite a special thing to hear somebody talk about your business and enjoy it um because obviously we don't meet any of these people so you don't get that kind of unlike a restaurant you don't get that instant gratification mm. or you know a connection with a customer um so it is nice <laughs> on occasion to meet people on the street and just be like oh yeah this is what we do and this is who we are <laughs> but also I think yeah Friday night is traditionally Friday's curry night right so we wanted to create I think a lot of our customers have families you know that I think we've found that they're sort of the same age as us so they're usually at home on a Friday night but they want to still feel like they're having a treat so yeah that's kind of where it all came in Friday night treat Without the guilt. Which areas do you um, feed? So we're feeding Waltham Forest, um, Hackney, um, Islington, and most of Herringdeck Gay, and hopefully in the next few months we'll be in Camden as well. So we're edging our way west. Um, and we also have postcodes in southeast London. London. So Dulwich, Peckham, Broccoli, and we're sort of expanding those areas as well now. That's so exciting. And um, who's, who's cooking these days? Um, so we've got a team of chefs. We've got a head chef and then um, two prep chefs and uh, a KP. So there's a team of five who kind of, you know, um, do all the cooking and then we've got an operations and logistics team. Um, so, yeah, we've got about 10 people all together mm-hmm. and we've left them to it to uh, escape to Renee's home to do the podcast because we didn't have headphones back at the office. <laughs> <laughs> the um, And what's your what's your... What's your vision? That's the modern word, isn't it? Like, how how would if you could wave a magic wand, where where would this where would this be? What would it look like? 
I mean, so we are, it's a, it's a, it's a good question because we are actually thinking about all this now because we are hoping to fundraise in the next couple of months um, to be able to scale our business, to be able to deliver London wide, to uh, build a bigger kitchen. And then in the next couple of years, go multi-city. So um, we're thinking Brighton and Bristol because that's where most of the demand is um, from uh, people who write to us. So that's that's the vision for the next three years. Uh, and then I guess we will just sort of grow on that and, you know, go have a northern presence as well. Um, we also have a burgeoning sort of e-commerce revenue stream uh, to speak in a, in a kind of pitch deck kind of way, investor speak. What, a retail product? Yes, yeah. a retail product. So our pickles and chutneys and then... And we've just launched our dosa kits, uh, which they, they launched just a week before Pancake Day, which was obviously yesterday. Um, so they're selling well. So that's like a dry dosa mix. Um, you mix it with water and you can make your own doses at home. Um, it comes with gunpowder and ginger jam, two of our condiments, which you can eat with the dosa. And They're do- delicious. Yeah, and dosa is a rice and lentil pancake from South India. Are you feeling hungry, Buckish? They sound flipping delicious, to be honest. I wish I lived in London. <laughs> <laughs> Salivating a little bit. I am. It sounds absolutely delicious. Usually on this podcast... We have a story which has a bit of jeopardy in because people's journeys are often so bumpy. Something awful happens, but then they sort of manage to get there in the end. Looking through your business, it just all looks like an absolute dream. The website's gorgeous. The menu's gorgeous. You've got a happy customer. The photography's excellent. You've got a retail arm to mitigate your risk a bit and have another revenue stream. What's gone wrong? No, there. Ha- I mean, I mean, it's interesting that you say the website is amazing. I agree, it looks really good. It's taken us a very long time to get there. Um, we built our own website, you know, on Squarespace back in 2018, and we've we've only just recently relaunched this new site, and it looks pretty from the outside, but the back end still needs a lot of work. So we're working on that at the moment to try and make it just a much cleaner journey for the customer. Um, I mean, do you know what? In the early days, pandemic, obviously. Yeah. Um, but also, I always think back to like 2018, 2019. We had some pretty hairy experiences with chefs, I would say. They were, yeah, unreliable. Um, unreliable. And, you know, would just either be, I don't know, in a bad mood or very angry or drunk or, you know, just kind of. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just wouldn't show up or fall asleep at work. And, you know, when you've got so many people to cook for, it was quite a. Uh, yeah and you know yeah anyway that was tough there's a stereotype around chefs that fits meets that yeah definitely it took us a while to find the right people doesn't it i think that and i think it's quite a particularly stressful type of work isn't it that it's a it's a yeah and it, it is hard work you know you're on your feet all day the pay is often in the industry you know not great um it's very hands-on you need to be highly skilled i think um and also you're working late nights so yeah yeah and then maybe i don't know if this is 100 percent true and but you know like we were we were female bosses and i think there was you know that 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 journey was quite hard to own i think with male chefs for them to respond to us in and respect yeah Yeah. respect was hard uh but you know having been done it for three years now I I feel comfortable in my skin asking somebody to do something do you know what I mean that journey that's that's leadership yeah yeah Yeah. that's a whole journey you go through as well as a founder 
Um, you know, because certainly for me, who I, I'd never worked in a kitchen before, I'd never, you know, run a business, I'd never worked in the food industry. So, you know, the the attitude from chefs was pretty much always like, well, what do you know? Uh, and it was true. Well, I don't know anything, but I'm just going on a, you know, I'm following the vision or following the journey that I would like hmm. to take the company. So it was just, you know, standing tall and believing in yourself. Yeah, it's a good lesson and just, you know, going with your gut instinct and yeah. and following it through. And keeping going until you find the right people because creating a culture inside a business is really worth it because otherwise you'll just be miserable and it's no point. The whole point of working for yourself is so that, you know, you can make it your way. Yeah, and it is amazing when you do find those right people. It's like, oh, I get it now. This is how it's supposed to be. This is easy and it's fun and it works really well and it clicks along and, it you know, everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing and it and it's yeah it's a much nicer place to work for sure you're describing me and buckers <laughs> well exactly look at you buckers. two we're like twin flames <laughs> tell us your story in in preparation for, we haven't recorded a podcast for a while and i was a bit out of touch a bit out of you know the habit of getting the old headphones on buckers so i am um, i thought i'd listen to a few podcasts to get to get my groove on and i listened to this one called twin flames on okay. wondery have you listened to it no. What's it called? Twin Flames. Oh my gosh. No. Oh my gosh. Twin Flames. It's about this married couple who are really sort of attractive and yogurish and sort of hot for each other. Mm. Who start a a business slash cult. Right. Sounds great. They... Sounds so up by <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going back to work. Where they I'm going to have to listen to the podcast. <laughs> it's so good. Where they basically recruit people to join their club on on the basis that's saying that every single person in the world has a twin flame who is their perfect lover right that god created for them and all you have to do is find that one person then everything in life gets easy and you can be as happy and sexy as rich as them wow amazing concept until you get deep into episode one what if they've died I don't, I don't know. I don't think you can ask questions like that. You'll get blocked. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, I think they just say, oh my God, that's incredible. So you have this woman, they meet this woman and there's a guy who works in her office who's 20 years younger than her, not interested. She becomes quite fixated with the guy. He's obviously, you know, got some, you know, qualities. And um, pays to join this group where they say, yeah, he's your twin flame claim him (laughs) claim him they're the warning words claim him so she goes about claiming him you need to find out what happens next this is basically an advert for a wondery podcast which is all kinds of sponsors and makes a fortune (laughs) i was not involved um, yeah (laughs) buck is you're my twin flame that's what this is leading up to oh thank you twin flame if um anyone shows up at your house saying that they're your twin flame maybe they've listened to it and they're making they're making their feelings known. I'll shut the door in their face and say, no, Fleur's coming to claim me. <laughs> I'm claimed. The, um, it's lovely to see you. No, thank you. <laughs> it's lovely to see you two working so well together and just seeming so happy in it. It's not always that story. It can be very difficult, that transition from sort of friends slash neighbours to business partners. No, we definitely have our moments. You know, I think yeah. there's there's good days and bad days. And, you know, everyone, I'm sure it's the same for everyone who works together. You know, if you've 
stayed up the night before, you didn't get much sleep and you're in a grumpy mood, you know, and then the other person for whatever reason might be as well. It's just about sort of feeling the room and yeah. It's about, I mean, you know, it's just understanding each other and I think it's time um, and I think it's being aligned um, on the same things uh, that ultimately you know that you both know you've got the best interest of the business at heart. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like you might approach it um, through different means, but you know that both of you are heading in the right direction. And I think as co-founders, if we were to do it again, that sort of initial I would say it would be better to have that initial conversation of the vision really early on. Um, whereas because I think we were sort of unsure of the idea and it was such this whole brand new thing and with the behaviors and, you know, everyone with being so not on demand, we were we were unsure of whether it was going to work or not. And then when it started working, we were just too busy to sit down and take a moment and realign and reassess. Um, so, you know, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, if I was to give any advice, no one asked for my I'll advice, but if I was to, <laughs> I'd say have that difficult conversation and align yourselves early on so that you, you're going down the same path. Um, and I think that's that was that was the biggest struggle, I would yeah. say, we had. Uh, but now, and, you know, the pandemic was one, wonderful for the food industry, for some people, for some... Takeaway industry. Takeaway industry, not the food industry. Um, so it was in those moments of real sort of busyness that we could you know while we were walking to work um we could have those conversations uh, and be like okay and dream big because it was finally working so um yeah uh so that's why we're here now yeah it did take you know us a good two and a half years we were so involved in the day-to-day operations of the business that we really had no time you know for marketing let alone you know, business conversations about where we were heading and all of that stuff. And it's only in the last really six months that we've been able to, you know, step back a little bit, put together a team who we're, you know, completely trust and can manage the day-to-day operations so that we have more time to think about, you know, raising money and and the next steps. So it's been great. I mean, you know, (laughs) yeah. It's such a positive story. It really makes my heart sink. There's so much in it about sustainability and collaboration and women founders and community. There's just it's just lovely. Thank you for sharing. We can't let you go, however, without mentioning that you were nominated for award. Is that right? So we yes, we were nominated for the NetWest Every Woman Award. Every Woman Award. That's recently. Right. That's a pretty big one. Congratulations. Thank you. We couldn't go to the ceremony because I had COVID, sadly. <laughs> but um we didn't win but you know um it was a real honor to be nominated it was you know we were amongst huge greats so yeah it was brilliant next year next year (laughs) definitely i couldn't go when we won our award as well buck has accepted it on my behalf yes congratulations (laughs) congrats thank you I still wasn't there next 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 year. I'll push you off the stage because I grab it out of your fist. <laughs> Fleur's still bitter. Fleur, not bitter. Fleur, I think it still it still stings, doesn't it? I'm bitter. It's okay. <laughs> it's in the safe. You're not getting it. It's been an absolute joy to have you. Um, we've got the list of your dabber areas, which you can put in the show notes. If anyone else wants to find out more and follow what you're up to and when you might be in their area, or indeed write to you and let you know that they'd like dabber in their area, what should they do? 
Um, so if they visit our website, we have a section where they can fill in their details. When they go go to the postcode checker, it will take, if we don't deliver to their area, they can put in their postcode and leave a little note for us. Yep. And um, obviously our Instagram is, you know, daily updates of everything we're doing so they can follow us there. And DM us um, if they need to. Great. Congratulations on anything you achieved. And we can't wait to see what the next year brings for you. Really excited for your raise and whatever that leads to. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having us. Having us. Really nice to chat. Take care. Bye, guys. That's it for today's episode of the Real Work Podcast. Thank you for being with us. This is the part where we remind you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And Buckers will probably tell me off if I don't ask you to please rate and review on Apple Podcasts because apparently when you do that, our content reaches more listeners. If you're curious about Real Work, the online membership Improving Women's Confidence Knowledge and Network, head to our website, doreal.work and sign up for our super newsletter, The Real Worker. All the details that you need to connect with us in any way, you'll find in the show notes. 